I hope you have your Bibles this morning, and if you do, I would invite you again to turn to the Old Testament, to the second book of the Bible, the second book of Moses called Exodus, which means the departure or the road out of. We'll be looking mainly at at verses 1 through 14 this morning, and the title of our message is Escape from Bondage. Escape from Bondage. Exodus is the journey of redemption. We looked at that last week together. We see the need for redemption because they were in bondage and that's why we must begin there. We saw the power of the Redeemer, how that He was able to buy them back and then all the characteristics of redemption, of sacrifice, of the shedding of blood, then all the privileges of redemption to uh, be able to follow the Lord, to be His people, uh, to have His law and and also to have His tabernacle, His presence with them. And uh, so we will continue on that journey, on that departure out of Egypt with the children of Israel. I love to think about this, especially on today, on July 4th. You know, many years ago, our forefathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty. That's what they were concerned with, with with freedom. They were being oppressed by a tyrannical king in England. And so on July 4th, 1776, they wrote and signed the Declaration of what? Independence of of freedom. And they they fought and they escaped uh, the bondage, the tyrannical bondage that they were in. And we became... A land of freedom, the the home of the free and the brave. I love what one of our forefathers, Patrick Henry, said before the Virginia legislator when they were trying to decide whether they would join the revolution. He stood up before them and he said, I know not what course others may take. He said, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. He said, I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees. Thank God we had men like that and women like that at that time that that were willing to uh, sacrifice their very lives and fortunes so that you and I, all our lives, have enjoyed the freedoms and, and and the privileges of a land of liberty. And so all our lives naturally speaking, or physically speaking, we've never known bondage. We've never known uh, for ourselves. Now, now some of our American citizens, their descendants did know what slavery was about. It's a, a great stain upon our nation that we ever allowed that uh, into, our, into our shores, and we're still feeling some of the repercussions of that in our own nation, even until today. But I just want you to know that there's different types of bondage. You can be in physical bondage where maybe you're imprisoned or or you might find yourself um, in in slavery that still exists in many parts of the world. But we also know there's emotional bondage in, in there. 
their spiritual bondage that we can find ourselves in. But I want you to know and I want you to rejoice in today that all of you that are in Christ, that you're free. And you need to say that in your heart today. You really do. I, I would even challenge you to say it out loud at some point today to tell the world, to tell the devil, to remind yourself, I am free in Christ. I am free in Christ. Because how soon we forget sometimes that at one time we were all in bondage. We were all in bondage either to ourselves or our past. Some people might be in bondage to fear. It might be into an addiction or, or a lust. But those of you that are in Christ, those of us that are in Christ, we are free uh, in, in Christ. But we never need to forget that that freedom is, is not a result of our own power or of our own doing or that we just, we're better than other people or, or we just figured it out and they haven't. We're only free because of our Redeemer. We're only free because God chose that for us and He gave us to Christ and Christ has made us free. But when we see people in bondage, whether it is a physical bondage, whether it is emotional bondage, spiritual bondage, whatever it might be, we ought to have pity upon them and we ought to consider ourselves that we once were like that and it ought to be our heart's desire that they might be free uh, as, as well and that we might be able to give them the great key of freedom by the grace of God because we soon forget that we ourselves also were in bondage like the descendants of Jacob, the children of Israel were in bondage. Now we had slavery here in America for um, at least a hundred years. But do you know that the children of Israel, they were captives and slaves in Egypt. The scripture says in one place it says 400 years. But the New Testament brings even more clarity that they were actually in Egypt for 430 years. We believe that there was about a 30 year span uh, after the, the death of Joseph that, that they were still relatively free and could come and go with with freedom but then we know the scripture says that there arose a pharaoh who knew not joseph and that's when the bondage uh, began but it lasted for 400 years we're talking about generational slavery there were people who were born into slavery and died in slavery they never tasted the sweet cup of freedom in their lives as far as physical uh, freedom and it is something that uh, is, should be so precious to us. Spiritual freedom, most of all, but also our natural freedom. It's not something that is guaranteed to us. It's something that we must fight for. It's something that we must uh, uh, live for and, and be willing to die for. Uh, and I remember uh, Benjamin Franklin, when we finally won the War of Independence, he said, well... We've got our freedom, he said. I hope we can keep it. <laughs> That's what he said. Because the, the devil wants to imprison us all. He wants to put us all in bondage. The world also hates the freedom of the child of God and, and wants to try to oppress us and bring us back into chains. But may we today, may we never forget the bondage that we were in and how that Christ 
has set us free and may it bring praise from our hearts and 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 may it uh, activate us to to use that freedom that we've been given both natural and spiritual freedom to redound to the glory of God in our lives and in our day but we quickly forget let's just turn uh, quickly to the New Testament. I'm going to go to a lot of scriptures today, so I hope you're ready to do some uh, flipping with me. I'll try to give you time uh, to turn there, but but I will be going through it rather swiftly. Here in John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the children of Abraham, the same group that we find in the book of Exodus that is in bondage, they had endured uh, until the, the day of Christ. And even Christ Himself was of the natural seed of Abraham through His mother Mary. But I just want to bring these verses to your mind just so that you can see how quickly people can forget that they too were in bondage. Look at this in John 8. This is very interesting. In verse, beginning in verse 32. This is Jesus speaking, our Redeemer, our true freedom fighter. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So freedom and liberty is at the heart of the conversation. But listen to what they answered Him. They answered Him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. Now you can, can you believe that they would say that knowing their history? That is an untruthful statement. That's part of the reason why Jesus was speaking to them that they needed truth for their day, truth for their life, truth for their heart. Beloved, if you don't even know that you're in bondage, you can never be free. You can never be free if you don't even feel the weight of your shackles and chains. They had been in bondage to Pharaoh. They had actually been in bondage to uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. They had been in bondage many times. But oh, how arrogant, how foolish to, for them to declare themselves as a people that had never been in bondage. Now Jesus said uh, to them, they said, We've never been in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, You shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So we know that Jesus was, was talking to them not even about natural bondage, but they were in a greater bondage. Uh, you know, a person can still be free in Christ even if they're in chains. We know. Uh, Paul and Silas were put in the bottom of that prison. They were locked in chains in the bottom of their prison, but I believe they were still free. And they began to sing and worship God, and, and God busted, the, busted that jail right open and changed the jailer's heart and started a church out of the experience. But Jesus said, there's a different kind of bondage. He said, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And so I just want us this morning in our hearts before we dive into our text to just praise the Lord and say in our hearts, Lord, 
I used to be a captive. I used to be a captive to the devil, to the things of this world, even or to myself. But Lord, thank you that you sent a redeemer for me, that you have set me free, that I'm free in Christ. Just keep saying it over and over again in your heart. I'm free in Christ. And also, we need to rejoice as we think about people in China, as we think about people in in some of the countries uh, in the Middle East that are under such fierce spiritual bondage, but also physical bondage. How thankful that we ought to be here this morning that we are free. We are free to come here and worship the Lord. We're, we're free uh, to go all over this country and all over of the world with the rights of the citizens of a free country, of a citizens of a country of free men and women who believe that that right, that that freedom doesn't come from the government. It comes from God. And may we ever be blessed to uphold both that natural freedom and our spiritual freedom in our day and in our lives. So Jesus, when He began His ministry, uh, just quickly flip over with me to the Gospel of Luke. We know that His first sermon, His first title of His messages were, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He knew that people needed to make an exodus out of being false worshipers of the true God. They needed to make an exodus from a life of sin and shame and death and misery. And the way to that freedom is to repent, to turn from the way that you were going and turn to the true and living God. That was his first message. Uh, The message of the gospel is that. But then when he came to his hometown, to Nazareth, and he went into the synagogue to preach to them, they brought to him the prophet Isaiah, And just listen to what was on his heart. Listen to the message that he began to preach here in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel, that is, the good news, to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Listen, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, or those that are enslaved and enchanged, to prove the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, hallelujah, that Christ has made us free. And the Scripture tells us, if the Son has made you free, then you are free indeed. Let us not be like, the Jews who said, we were never in bondage to any man. How, how do you say then, Brother Nathan, we need to be set free? Oh, beloved, let us be truthful with ourselves. Lord, if it wasn't for your grace, I'd go right back to Egypt. If it wasn't for your grace, I'd go right back to my chains. But Lord, the grace that saved me and redeemed me and set me free can also continue to save me and continue to help me to be free and you can even help me to set others free as well give me liberty or give me death 
So here, back in our text, in the book of Exodus, Exodus, let's pick up on the path of the journey of redemption. Every journey begins with a first step. And so we find where the story begins. We've already considered uh, verses 1 through 7. And so we're going to take up mainly for our text verses 8 through 14. And I just want you to enter into the story. I want you to ask the Lord by spirit and by faith to, to hear the Word of God, to listen to the Word of God, to put yourselves in the shoes of these people of, of this day, to feel the oppression of their, of their rigor, of, of their labor, to feel, as it were, the whip of the taskmasters of Egypt upon their backs to hear the clanking of, of their chains. And for 400 years, it would be so for them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Beloved, this wasn't a king like Brother Drew read to us about. It wasn't a king like Solomon you remember when Sheba came to visit Solomon? She, she did admire the things that he had built. She did admire uh, his wealth. She did admire his wisdom as she sat there and heard him judge the children of Israel. He said, you know, but what impresses me the most about you is the happiness and the joy of your people and of your servants. This was not true of this time. Let, let me tell you, Satan is a cruel taskmaster. Even the law itself, if all you have is is the law, is a cruel taskmaster. So there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war... They join also into our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, did they set over them taskmasters, listen to the language, to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Hallelujah. And they were grieved. Because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter. Underline this. With hard bondage. There's our word. With hard bondage. In mortar and in brick. In all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve, was with rigor. Escape from bondage. Oh, how much these people needed the delivering hand of the Lord. Can you hear the clanking of their chains? Can you almost feel the whip upon their back? Can you almost feel the sweat dripping down their faces and bodies? as they built the temples and the cities of heathen gods. And some, all their lives, lived under that bondage, and it was all that they knew. 
Well, there's some things that, that we need to understand so that we can get a better picture of this in our hearts and minds today. So the first thing that we want to consider is where and why did the bondage occur? Why would God allow this? Why would God allow there to be generational suffering among the descendants of Abraham? Is, is the place where it occurred uh, important as, as well? Well, the first thing that, that we understand about that question is the where. Where did the bondage occur? Well, it happened in the land of Egypt. Does everybody in here know where Egypt is? A lot of times we don't even think about Egypt, the country, being in on the continent of Africa. But it's actually on the uh, northeast, the farthest northeast uh, uh, corner of the continent of Africa. And what made it such a dominant civilization and society for hundreds and even thousands of years was that the Nile River, a continual source of fresh water, flowed through the whole country. And it was really uh, just on the banks of the Nile on, on, on either side. Actually, the name in the Bible for uh, Egypt is Mizraim which actually means double straightness, and it, and it speaks to the fertile valleys that were on both sides of the Nile. And so it supplied them with a constant source of grazing land, of, of food, of mud and, and water, everything that was necessary to build cities and to build the pyramids and to build the great sphinx. All of that was just ready, available to them. And so why that's important is because Egypt is a picture of this world. It's a picture, uh, like in, in Pilgrim's Progress, of Vanity Fair. It would be a place that would promise wealth and prosperity and happiness and continuity, but not so for the child of God. For the child of God does not find his home in this world. He does not find friendship in this world, just as the children of God did not in our story, Egypt was a place that, that wanted independence from God. They, they didn't want to have to depend on the Lord. They, it was a land full of idolatry. They would worship anything and everything except the true and living God. As a matter of fact, we'll get into our, our story and Pharaoh will just tell Moses and Aaron plain, I don't know your God. I don't know your God. Who is He that I should listen or obey Him? Well, that's where bondage occurs in all of our lives. Just as it was the descendants of Jacob that uh, it was because of Jacob bringing them down into Egypt that they found themselves into slavery. You and I all are actually born into the slavery of sin because of the sin nature that we inherit from our fathers all the way back to our father. Adam and we're born into a world into a low ground of sin and sorrow and except for the grace of God that's where we would remain and then be banished into the ultimate slavery and banishment away from God forever in an eternal hell oh aren't you glad today that God has allowed you and I to escape from Egypt and he has even led us even past Mount Sinai 
but he has led us into the freedom of Mount Zion with Jesus Christ as our true king and his kingdom. Don't you rejoice today in that the place was significant? The place was significant as well because Egypt was the mightiest nation of the world at this time. It was at the zenith and the pinnacle of its power. And so how God used that and how He uses that in our lives because sometimes Satan would would try to tell us, oh, you'll never be free from me. You'll never be out from underneath my thumb. You'll, you'll never escape that uh, quirk in your personality or you'll never escape that sin that seems to defeat you so much in your life. I'm Egypt. I'm Pharaoh. I can keep you by my power. I'm the strongest power in the world. So no wonder when all the children of Israel had made it to the other side of the Red Sea and they saw Pharaoh and all of Egypt pursuing them to take away their freedom and their lives and God shut the waters like a wall upon them. No wonder they shouted to God in glorious triumph. For not only did He set them free, but He kept them free. And so if God could deliver Two million people, two million slaves out of the hand of the mightiest ruler of the world at that time, then what is the lesson? Oh, he can he can free us too. There's nothing he cannot do. Nothing can hold his children in bondage. Can you say hallelujah to that today? But why? That's the where, but why did the bondage occur? Why? 400 years. Well, we we believe part of it was to prepare Israel for their inheritance. I always love it when Brother Andy makes that quote about that God not only has saved our inheritance, but He also saves us for that inheritance. And so God, you remember, had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob the land of Canaan. Do you all remember that promise? In the book of Genesis. But do you remember in their lifetimes, and their sojourn among the land of Canaan, they didn't own any of that land. They were nomads. They were just a group of 70 souls. The only thing that they owned was the cave of Machpelah where they buried their dead. And so God knew that in order for them to possess that land, they were going to have to go through a period of time and be in a place where 70 souls could turn into 2 million. They're also making that same journey that Abraham made and learned lessons that Abraham... Remember when things got bad in the land of Canaan? Do you all remember that story? Where Where did Abraham flee to? To Egypt. And there he made compromises. There he got Hagar, which had Ishmael, which has caused problems in the world even until now. And he had to come out of Egypt as well to be what God had called him to be. And he did. And so, part of their sojourn, part of the reason that they were there for so long as God was building them into a nation. He was actually building them into a people that could cast out the Amorite because the the iniquity of the Amorites were not yet full. But God said in the fourth generation, they'll enter in. And they went from 70 souls to 2 million. 
That would have never happened if they had stayed in the land of Canaan. It could have only happened by the providence of God in the, in the place of Egypt where they were held captive. So is the wisdom and the providence of God. Turn with me quickly just to get this thought from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. Because we think, well, Brother Nathan, but that's hard that so many of those people had, had to live and die in, in slavery to fulfill the purposes of God. Well, beloved, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but it is the lot of the children of God and the followers of Christ to suffer in this world. If any of us are not suffering in some form or fashion in this world, we ought to even wonder and doubt, am I really even a child of God if you have not suffered? Because it says that all those who live godly will what? Will suffer persecution. And if we suffer with Him, that is the only guarantee that we will also reign with Him. So God was preparing them, allowing them to be in bondage, to grow as a people, to grow as a nation, to hunger for freedom, to hunger uh, to, to know and to be and to follow and to obey God and to know how to, the, the privileges and the promises so that they could actually possess and enjoy the inheritance that God had promised them. And it was the only way that they would have. And so it is for me and you in this life. Oh, beloved, if we never got sick here, if we never had any trials or sorrows here, would any of us ever really want to die? Would any of us ever really uh, call out to the Lord uh, uh, for help and, 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 and make uh, the largest part of our lives uh, to throw in with His suffering people in the world? Oh no. God has purposes. And so... Listen to the language here of Romans chapter 8 and remind yourself of this. And Paul says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now he's talking about salvation. He's talking about spiritual affliction and then spiritual deliverance and glory. But apply that also naturally to the children of Israel that were in Egypt. Yes, they spent 400 years in bondage. But think of what all that they were given for all these centuries. And that land is still theirs. And they're still in that land even today. Now they've had to suffer and been in bondage a lot. Part of the reason is, is because of what Jacob's sons did to Joseph. Do y'all remember what Jacob's sons did to Joseph? Do you remember what they did to him? They put him in a hole. First they were just going to kill him. And I want you to parallel that to Jesus Christ as well. What his brethren did to him, they did kill him. And, and the results of that punishment were that they were cast out of the land that they had been promised until about 1948. Those are the some of you were alive, I think, <laughs> uh, that that were were alive when that happened. 
Was anybody here alive in 1948? Brother Don? Uh, no. No? 51. 51. You, you know, but but uh, y'all know. Brother Dwight. Brother Dwight. Okay. So we do have someone. So I didn't misspeak. Thank you, Brother Dwight, for being alive then. Uh, and uh, so, but, but they had to suffer so much because of how they, they treated the true Joseph, the, the true shepherd of Israel. Well, we know that Jacob's sons and Joseph's brothers, they delivered him to where? To Egypt. To be what? Imprisoned and enslaved. How long will the sins of the fathers fall upon the children? Does anybody know what the Bible says? How long? To the third and to the what? Fourth generation. God's not mocked. We all need to be very careful how we live our lives and the decisions that we make because maybe sometimes we think, oh, we skated by or, or we got by with that. And then we don't realize that the effects, the residual effects come even in, in generations following. But may God show us mercy. So it was to prepare Israel for their inheritance. They were in Egypt also because that's where Joseph was sold into slavery. And now they find themselves in the same condition that they put their brother. But I believe mostly God was using their suffering to prepare them to do His will and to enjoy His blessings. And that's what I see for my life. And that's what I see for your life. Aren't you glad that God does not waste our pain? Oh, I am. I'm glad that there's, there's purposes, even in, in the afflictions and the sorrows and the tears that we shed. God is using that. He is using that suffering to teach us, to mold us, to prepare us to be willing more and more perfectly to do His will and to enjoy all the blessings that He has for us. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 7 and we see Stephen, I believe this is Stephen, in his um, great sermon before that, that he was, was martyred. I, I believe that's um, the occasion here for the passage that we're going to read. I, I, might, I might be wrong there. No, it is. It is. So, he's actually talking to them about this story. This that happened, remember, 1,400 years before Stephen is going uh, to speak. But it's still revel relevant. It's still prevalent. It's still, that story is still as real and relevant in our day as it was uh, in the 1400s, uh, 1400 B.C. It's still as relevant, even though now it's 3,400 years past that and, and change. So listen to what he says, verse 9 of 7. And we want to read all the way through verse... Um, well, let's go to verse 6. And God spake on this wise, that His seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into what? There's our word, isn't it? Highlight it again. Bondage. And entreat them evil four hundred years. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage Will I judge, said God, and after that they shall come forth and what? Serve me in 
this place. And, and he talks about that whole story. But, but what I wanted you to see is that God had a purpose for them being there. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't that God had forgotten them. They, they were in God's school. They were in God's furnace. God was preparing them for something greater and preserving them and helping. Did you see that all that still happened to them? Even though that they were afflicted, even though they were put in bondage, even though they were made to serve with hard rigor, yet they waxed mighty and multiplied. Now, now how is that the case? Oh, that's the providence and the power of God, isn't it? What the devil would use to destroy us, rejoice in this that God can use to make us stronger in His service and enjoy His blessings more fully. Oh, I rejoice in that. For even we see in the New Testament, when they tried to stamp out and persecute the church, that the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. And they grew more and more and more. So the where and why of the bondage, those are just some of the surface answers and some of the deep meaning behind some of that so that we can get our minds around that. And so maybe we might even think for our lives and apply this to our lives. Why are some people still in bondage in the world? Where is it happening? Why is that happening? Why do I find myself sometimes uh, putting myself in chains that, that don't belong uh, in my life? Oh God, set me free. Help me not to live in bondage. Help me to escape. But what is it like to be in bondage? What is it like to be in bondage? Turn with me to the book of Galatians. We're going we're gonna to look in the book of Galatians several times because it speaks a lot about bondage and, and liberty. There's some concepts here that will be very good for us to understand. Remember how that the Jews at the beginning of our message today, they said, we were Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to anyone. Or maybe the devil has you deceived today. Or maybe me deceived. That we will say, well, I'm not in bondage to anything. Really? There's nothing that really keeps you and holds you back from serving God and enjoying all the blessings of God and obeying and doing God's will the way that your heart really wants to. Oh, well, listen to what the writer of Galatians would say to us, Galatians 4.3, Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. All in our story, in Exodus 1, can you not feel the oppression of the injustice that was there? Oh, when I, when I look back, even in our nation's history, oh, how much I love the South. How much did I treasure uh, the culture uh, that, that was blessed to be brought forth in the southern lands, in, in Dixieland. Oh, but when I look that, that we allowed our brothers and sisters uh, to be enslaved and to have no freedom. There's a shame that always comes 
on my heart when I think that that we that have been blessed so much by God would then when would then turn. And you know the truth is that most of the people in the South did not even own slaves. Y'all know that, don't you? It was only about like I think like three or four percent of of people in the South even owned slaves. And slavery was not just a southern issue. All the northern states had slaves as well. Uh, the, the desire to enslave someone else or to put someone else in slavery comes from the heart of sinful man. God made men free. When He created Adam and Eve, they were free. God said, set my people free. Let my people go. Christ said, I will, the Son will make you free. Oh, but when I read the stories and I see the way that some of them were treated so cruelly and, and so harshly, oh, the injustice of it. And I think, well, what if that was me? What if that was my family, that we were slaves, or that I was in Egypt and, and my children, from, from the time that they were born to the time that they died, all that they knew was the whip of a taskmaster's back. They didn't go on vacation. They didn't pick what school that they wanted to go to, what job that they wanted to go to. They couldn't even go out and worship God freely as a people. Oh, we can feel the oppression of the injustice. Did you hear those words? Did you hear those words? Go back to the text. Highlight them for you and rejoice in what You've been free from and pray for even more and more freedom. Taskmasters. Affliction. Burdens. Afflictions. Rigor. Serve. Grief. Bitter. Does that sound like anything you want to sign up for, Drew? No. No, beloved. Go with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. This is the world... Know that the world is not your friend, beloved. The world is always going to seek the hurt of God's children. The world has nothing to offer you, but it would it offer Jesus, and that's a crown of thorns. And here in the book of Isaiah, we read again of this oppression, of what it was like to be in bondage. Isaiah chapter 52, if you'll turn with me there. Beginning in verse 1. Awake, awake! Put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth shall no more come unto thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Listen to what he says. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. I told you that Exodus is the journey and the story of redemption. For thus saith the Lord, You have sold yourselves for naught, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith the Lord God, My people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Oh, again, beloved, the, the world is no friend to us. Don't seek friendship with the world. You would have thought that 
the Egyptians, they needed a labor force and, and they needed these shepherds. And, and for just a while, it seemed like that it was a beautiful friendship. And that's the way it goes with the world for a while. You get out in the world and, and you begin to think, you know what, all that God stuff, all that church stuff, uh, they're the ones that, that, that really have it hard. All of us out here, we're eating, drinking, and being married, and tomorrow we die. Oh, but then, what you don't realize, you know, that they promised you freedom. But what actually is, is that every freedom that you have in your life and soul and for eternity is being taken away little by little by little. And so at first, it was so good in Egypt, but then the true nature of the world, the enmity of the world against the child of God, the great, the great dragon. Remember how it says in Revelation that he stood in front of the woman that was ready to bring forth the child that, that he might get it and devour it, but he, she was taken up and preserved. He wanted to destroy the seed of Jacob. He wanted to destroy the promise. That's, that's who in the heart of the Pharaoh that says, kill all those children. Throw all those boys in the Nile. It was the same when Jesus was born. They wanted to destroy that which would have brought forth the deliverer. But hallelujah for the providence of God that He said, no, my people are going to escape from their bondage. You shall not hold my people in chains or away from my blessings, my covenant, and my promises, don't matter how bitter you make their lives, it doesn't matter how much affliction that you give them, it doesn't matter how much you grieve them, or how much rigor that they are made to serve with, the Bible says truly, it's the way of the transgressor that is hard. The life that is without Christ, and without true freedom, that's the life that is to be pitied and, and to be prayed to be delivered from out of a bondage of a hopeless life of vanity. But in Deuteronomy 26, I just want to pick up uh, a thought here. And, and it is interesting. Did y'all notice in Isaiah that it says, My people went down to Egypt and then it was the Assyrian that it said that treated them so awful. A lot of historians believe that at that time what happened in Egypt was there was a regime change, that they were overtaken by Assyrian rulers. And Assyrian rulers were ruling Egypt at this time. And that's why the Bible says it was the Assyrian that actually did it. And it makes sense because the children of Israel would have not numbered more than the children of Egypt at this time. But remember what the Pharaoh said. He said, I'm worried about their numbers because they're more than us. Well, that wouldn't have been true of the Egyptians, but it would have been true of Assyrians that had taken over. And I believe what they were afraid of was that the Egyptians and the, and the Israel would get together and cast them out. And the Egyptians eventually did take back over the kingdom once this Pharaoh and all his mighty chariots are washed away in the seas of history, the Red Sea of history. 
But beloved, here we see in Deuteronomy 26 and verse 6 or verse 5. And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, Syrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few and became there a nation, great, mighty, populous. And the Egyptians evil entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. And that's what's going to happen to everyone that goes out and makes a friend with this world and says, I'd rather reign in heaven, I mean reign in hell, than serve in heaven. May it not be our lot, beloved, but may the Lord bless us to be those that escape from bondage. Now, let's turn the page on this wonderful story. How, thirdly, today, We've seen where and why the bondage took place. We've looked at how it must have felt like to be in bondage. And I think that we all have experienced that in our lives, trying to get maybe free from fear, free from past, free from defects in, in our character, or maybe from things that have happened to us in our life, or maybe substances, or or, or thoughts, or relationships. There's all different kinds of bondage. So how does God deliver His people from bondage? Well, beloved, it is by His power. Can I get an amen? You think they could have gotten themselves free? <laughs> no, you can't get yourself free either. It has to be the power, the pleasure, and the providence of God Almighty. That's the only way anybody ever gets free from their bondage. It's from by God's power. It's by God's pleasure. It's by God's providence. Part of what He does is He comes into our hearts and He makes us willing in the day of His power. He brings us into cooperation with His will. Isn't it wonderful? He brings in us, Drew, a desire to be free and to be willing to follow Him to that freedom. God didn't, God didn't uh, walk across the Red Sea on dry land for them. They had to do it. They had to do it. They had to fight the battles in the wilderness and in the conquest of the land. But the reason that they were able to do it was through God's power, through God's pleasure, through God's providence. And it's the same in our lives as well. Lord, make me willing to follow You to freedom. He deals. He also deals with anything in our lives and in their lives that threatened their liberty. He dealt with it. Whether it was outside of them or inside of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a deliverer that we have. And He delivers us from bondage by making us fruitful, by multiplying us, by making us mighty, all those things that it said in our text, right? He made them fruitful. He made them mighty. He multiplied them through their relationship with Him. And that's how He delivers us from bondage too. He brings us closer and closer to Himself. He begins to teach us that every other relationship that is vertical is depended solely upon that no, every, every relationship that is horizontal, yes, every relationship that is horizontal is dependent solely on that one relationship that 
is vertical. And that's what he was teaching his people. That's what he was building this nation of slaves to be a kingdom of priests. For him, a holy nation, a peculiar people, a chosen people called out of darkness into light. Oh, I love what it says. Uh, Turn with me again. I know we're turning to a lot of Scripture, but you know we, we need Scripture to interpret Scripture. That's, that's how it's done. That's how we arrive to truthful biblical conclusions about things. In Isaiah chapter 14, if you'll turn with me there again and, and highlight this, this is, this is another wonderful, beautiful, eye-opening statement here. Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob, and will yet choose Israel, and set them in their own land. And the strangers shall be joined with them, and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. And the people shall take them and bring them to their place. And the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaids. And there shall take them captives, who captives they were. And they shall rule over their oppressors. And it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest from thy sorrow, And from thy fear, and from the hard, what? Bondage, wherein thou wast made to serve. And thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon, and say, How hath the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased? The Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked, and the scepter of the rulers. Hallelujah. We have the promise of God. We have a God that is going to deal with everything in our lives, outside or inside, that is going to threaten threaten our liberty or our relationship or our being able to obey and to do His will and to enjoy all the blessings and promises that He has won for us in this world and in the world to come. So now, as we close... That's how God delivers His people from bondage. Through His power, through His pleasure, through His providence. By making us willing to follow Him to freedom. Willing to do His will. He makes us fruitful. He multiplies us. He makes us mighty through our relationship with Him. So even that we may even rebuke the devil himself through the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can even break generational curses in our lives through the power of the name of our Redeemer. We cannot be held by anything in this world or in the world to come for the power of Christ rests upon us and we are free. Christ has made us free and we are free indeed. The only reason that any of us are in bondage to anything is because we want to be, not because we have to be. The question is now, as we close, is what will we do with our freedom from bondage? What will we do with our freedom from bondage? One thing that we must, before I say what we must do with our freedom, one thing that we must not do is we must not take it for granted. Can I get an amen? We must not take it for granted go with me again to the book of galatians and we think about the story of the history of the children of israel and it's so sad isn't it because we know that 
Uh, Moses delivered them from the land of Egypt through the Red Sea. They received all the privileges and rights of the children of God. And then right before they were going to be able to go into the land of Canaan, they balked. They forgot that it was in obeying God where freedom and blessings were. And they begin to look at them own sel- their own selves and say, you know what, I'm going to quit letting God leave me. I'm going to let quit obeying God and let God decide for me. And, and I'm going to be the master of my fate and, and the master of my freedom and liberty. We're not going to go in, Lord, because it looks too hard. And so all that generation, you know what happened to them. They died in the wilderness, except Joshua and Caleb, right? Every day there was a funeral for 40 years that reminded them we didn't fully possess all that God had for us. Oh, but that next generation, you know, God was using that time to prepare them to be that one that would seek His face, that would do all His holy will. And they did. And in that story so great that they went in and everywhere, their foot tread by faith. They conquered and God gave it to them. Even Joshua and Caleb had 80 years old. Caleb says, give me this mountain. And he took the high places. And they conquered all that land. But as soon as that generation died out, people began to do what was right. And what? Their own eyes. They forgot. They took their liberty and their freedom for granted. They began to look and seek after for them other gods and to be like the world around them which they had been saved from Egypt from. Which all the people had been cast out because of. And they brought themselves right back into bondage again. Oh, but hallelujah, God was faithful. He kept delivering them and setting them free and He still is today. Oh, what a faithful God we have. We are free. And one day we shall be free at last. Fully, completely free. Here in Galatians chapter 4, look at verse 3. We, we already looked at it, I'm sorry, verse 9. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather, are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements Whereunto ye desire again to be in what? To be in bondage. It, it's amazing. It's almost like a learned helplessness, is it? Do y'all know what learned helplessness is? <laughs> what they'll do is they'll, they'll take a glass box and, and put a glass ceiling on it about this high and they'll put a frog in there, Matthew. And the frog will jump and try to escape from the glass because he knows he can jump out. But what happens to the frog is he tries to jump if there's, a, if there's a lid on it, a glass lid. He just keeps hitting his head, right? He'll hit his head and, and he'll do it for days. He'll jump. He'll jump. He'll jump. And then eventually, he'll never jump again. Because he's hit his head so much, he, he's learned helplessness. You see it in people that get into bad and abusive relationships. They'll get out of one. And you'll think, well, surely to God, they'll never uh, do that again. But soon you'll hear they've married someone else and they're worse to them than the person was before. People 
You and I, we can all sympathize. We can all think about things that God has set us free from. And our lives get a little bit hard, a little bit difficult. And we become just like the children of Israel said, Would to God we would just have died in Egypt. Oh, for the flesh pots in, in Egypt. Oh, let us not take our freedom for granted. Let us not turn again. How, how was the wording here? Unto the weak and beggarly elements. Weren't to ye desire again to be in bondage? We must learn to live in the free forgiveness of God. You know, we can't help others get free if we are in prison ourselves. But look at what it says. You're still in Galatians. Stay in chapter 5. Look at verse 13. And this tells us how to use our freedom, what to do with our freedom. It's not to serve ourselves. It's not to just do whatever I want and serve my flesh. But true liberty, true freedom is the freedom to, to want and to do what is right and good and pleasing to God. He said, for brethren, Galatians 5.13, For brethren, ye have been called into liberty and to freedom. Only use not your liberty or freedom for an occasion to the flesh, but by love. Serve one another. Don't get entangled in the world, in the nets of this world, in the bondage of this world. David would write about. It. He said, "There's snares and there are pits everywhere, Lord. Preserve me from them. Save me in and out of them." There were many dangers in the wilderness for the children of Israel. There's many. Snares and pitfalls, many things in this world that Satan will try to use to put you in bondage, to keep you from enjoying all of his promises and to reaching your full potential in Christ. Oh, beloved, look at what it says in Galatians 5 1 as we close, uh, closing out. Stand fast. There it is. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's entanglement is you, you get yourself in webs, you get yourself in nets that are hard to get out of. Bad habits are like comfortable beds, easy to get in, hard to get out. Paul says, stand fast in the grace of God. Stand fast in your liberty and the free forgiveness of your sins and of who you are in Christ. Stand fast in the Word of God. Stand fast in the church of God. Stand fast in Christ's grace. Stand upon the promises of God. Don't be entangled in Egypt. Don't keep getting the whip on your back. Quit making bricks for heathen cities that are going to that the sands of time are going to take away. You know what's amazing about Egypt? If you study much about their culture, they were enthralled with death. You know why they built the, the pyramids and all those tombs? Because they thought they were going to live there in the afterlife. They put food in there. <laughs> they made people stay down in there in their tombs because they thought they were going to serve them with that. They, they find all these bones of people that, that aren't uh, embalmed. Well, they got stuck down in there because of their false belief. But 
their greatest relic that they have is the book of the dead. But the greatest relic that we have that is in heaven where our names are written in blood is the book of what? Book of life. The book of life. Stand fast in these things, beloved. For ye have been made free. And lastly, I'm so glad to tell you because in this life, it's a warfare. It's, it's that journey of redemption. It's, it's that, that battle to, to stay free and to keep our freedom. But hallelujah, greater is He that is in you, that is in the, in the world. And you have the victory over this world in your faith and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I have the victory over death as well. And we're waiting for something. We're all waiting for something that's going to be manifest one day. Are you longing for it? Do you not groan for it like Israel did in the days when they cried out to God because of the cruelty the mistreatment of the world and of the devil. And God said, I, I heard the cries of my people. And I'm going to deliver them from their bondage. Here, Paul says this, so beautiful, so beautiful. Romans 8. Remember where we already read verse 18? When we talked about, well, well why, why do we have to suffer here? Why do we have to go through what we go through here? And we discussed that. Well, let's look at it again. For I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation, that's the hope of the creature. That's you and me. It's waiting for something. It's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That is, everything that God has intended us to be in salvation and in glory through Jesus Christ, our true freedom, our glorification one day. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of Him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the what? What does it say in your text? From the bondage. Here you and I are going to be delivered even from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Hallelujah. You're free in Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you as our prayer.